When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, welcome. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am that host of yours, the one with the opinions, Liv. 
Now, today I am here with a very special episode, special for purely selfish reasons, because these are simply the people who really spurred my love of mythology, who transformed me into what you see today. These characters gave you the podcast. Basically, discovering them inspired like almost everything about my life as it currently is, including past careers. Because of all of this, I will never, ever let them go. Cadmus and Harmonia. But first, another periodic warning. All of the episodes you're listening to in the month of May and June, too, and actually July, uh, have been pre-written and pre-recorded by me in the month of April, because I will be in Greece and beyond, wandering and exploring, getting more knowledge to share with all of you when I get back and to share on social media, for that matter. So follow me on Instagram for lots of pictures of new islands and ruins. I might even record something from over there and share it with you. And, well, I'm going to be working on another draft of my novel about, well, Cadmus and Harmonia. Hence, these episodes. Cadmus and Harmonia fascinate me in so many ways. And I wanted to get some motivation for myself to work on this novel. So I thought, what better characters to revisit now for the podcast? I told you their story so, so very briefly and all the way at the earliest days of the podcast, like long before I was able to research the way I do now, before I understood the intricacies of sourcing and the fragmentary nature of these stories, before I had basically all of the knowledge that I have now. And oh, how I love the knowledge that I have now. So here we are, looking once again at the couple who are so, so, so often forgotten in the grand scheme of adventures and heroes and goddesses and romances. But frankly, I'm fine with that because more for me. This is episode 167, Daughter of Gods Meets Phoenician Hero, the story of Cadmus and Harmonia. The story of Cadmus and Harmonia is both ancient and late, it's fragmentary and detailed, This in itself is fascinating, but it makes it a tricky one to tell with all its nitty-gritty details. It's worth it, though, because these two have an incredible story that goes on for generations and generations that founded a dynasty of famous and messy characters, and yet they are never considered to be particularly notable themselves. It's why I love them. So let's begin with the godly one, the divine one, Harmonia. Just like the stories of Cadmus and Harmonia broadly, there are two different Harmonias, though both have fascinating backstories. The first, the older Harmonia, the more ancient, I mean, is the daughter of Aphrodite and Ares. The sister, or maybe just half-sister, of Eros, the god of love and sex, and full sister of Phobos and Deimos, the gods of fear and panic. She is a personification goddess, one of those gods you all always want me to talk more about, but I never have answers because typically they're only known for their concept, the thing that they personally represent, that they personify, like fear or panic. 
Harmonia is different. Still, we'll get there. Harmonia is either the daughter of Aphrodite and Ares, the daughter of these two Olympian gods, or, according to some later but no less fascinating sources, she's instead maybe the daughter of Zeus and a woman named Electra, who is herself a nymph, one of the Pleiades. These versions come later, and they link Harmonia to the island of Samothrace, which is far off in the northeast of the Mediterranean, so close to the north and Thrace that it takes its name. There's reasons for this alternate location, if not this alternate parentage as well, but we'll get there. For now, let's focus on the Harmonia whose parents are Aphrodite and Ares. Whether she comes from Samothrace isn't particularly relevant yet. Regardless of which details you want to go with, we know very little about Harmonia as a person, and even less about her as a goddess. When it comes to these old sources, the sources that make her the daughter of Aphrodite and Ares, sources like Hesiod, we only know that she was their daughter, and that she was this goddess of harmony. Harmony in many forms. As Theoi.com describes her, she's the goddess of marital harmony, soothing strife and discord, and harmonious action of soldiers in war. But honestly, that's basically all we know of her. So we'll set Harmonia aside for just a bit while we look at Cadmus. Cadmus was the son of Agenor and Telephassa, queen and king of Tyr in Phoenicia. Agenor is a descendant of the infamous Io, our wandering cow from Prometheus Bound, making him connected with basically all other important genealogical lines from Greek myth. Cadmus is not a Greek, but he's got this connection because the Greeks wanted him. But he was the brother of Europa, the woman so famously abducted by Zeus in the form of a bull who was brought to Crete to start that Cretan bull dynasty and who gave her name to the continent of Europe. But Europa's story that I've told you before doesn't stop when she lands on Crete, or rather the story revolving around her doesn't stop. Europa remains on Crete, but her brother wanders the ancient Greek world in search for her. His story is also rarely detailed, save for one very bizarre and late ancient source called Nonus, but we'll get to him. He is so messy that everyone I've ever heard mention him says something along the lines of, you're brave if you ever try to read his work, which, well, I have. Some of it, at least. I'm just patiently waiting until it goes in the public domain so I can read it all to you. It is something else. But man, like I said, we will get to him. This is going to be a rambly episode, it seems. Um, Their story is too fragmentary to be anything else. Europa's brother, Cadmus, the prince of Tyr, but not its heir, goes in search of his sister. How much searching he does himself is like a bit of an open question, but we know that he eventually ends up at the Oracle of Delphi in the hopes that the Pythia there will have news of his sister, will have some kind of guidance on where on earth, or rather where in Greece, he'll be able to find her. Where did the king of the gods take her? And how can he get her back? And, well, the oracle doesn't help him with that at all, because she's been taken by Zeus. So there's no real way of getting around that as much as we might wish that there is. Instead, the oracle instructs Cadmus in another quest. 
She tells him that he's going to come across a cow when he leaves the mountain, that he's to follow, and wherever the cow lays down, he should found a city. As this is Greek mythology, and one with very few ancient sources uh, at that, Cadmus doesn't question this, doesn't fight against the idea that he will never see his sister again, that he's just to accept that her lot is to be wherever the king of the gods took her. No, he is cool with the whole follow a cow thing. So he wanders. And when he enters the region of Boeotia, he comes across this particular cow. Or rather, any old cow that he decides is the right one, and he follows it. The cow walks and walks, wandering Boeotia, until finally, the cow lays down to rest. Where the cow lays down to rest, in this region of Boeotia, the region that neighbors Attica, where Athens ruled, there, Cadmus is set to found a city. But it wasn't going to happen magically or overnight. He and the men that he had with him were tired, so they settled in to rest. But first, they needed water. Either for their own purposes or because Cadmus intended to sacrifice the cow to Athena in thanks... Either way, he sends his men out in search of water. They could hear a river or a stream nearby, and that would be the perfect place. According to Ovid's Metamorphoses, which provides a version with some showy details, they all go off in search of this water, or just to scout the region, which sits next to a forest that has been entirely untouched by humans and is sacred to the god Ares. In the forest... There is a cave, near a rushing stream. And in that cave? Well, there was a dragon there. The Ismenian dragon, a servant of Ares, sacred to the god of war, just as the forest was sacred to the god of war. And when you're thinking of the ancient Greek idea of a dragon, if you want to actually imagine a thing, just think of an enormous snake. Ovid's description is too beautiful, so here it is. Quote, There was an ancient grove whose branching trees had never known the desecrating axe, where hidden in the undergrowth a cave, with osiers bending round its low-formed arch, was hollowed in by jutting rocks. Deep found in the dark center of that hollowed grove, beneath its arched roof a beauteous stream of water welled serene. Its gloom concealed a dragon, sacred to the warlike Mars, crested and gorgeous with iridescent scales and eyes that sparkled as the glow of coals. A deadly venom had puffed up its bulk, and from his jaws he darted forth three tongues, and in a triple row his sharp teeth stood. Cadmus defeated the dragon with ease, some say with only a rock, though Ovid would have you imagine it was a much more impressive act, one that really highlights the skill and importance of Cadmus as a hero. It goes on forever. He is victorious, even if he is the one we most often ignore. Cadmus defeated the snake, and in doing so, 
made Ares, the god of war, very, very angry. Still, there was more for Cadmus to do before Ares could punish him for his crime. Athena, who is, of course, always there to help the heroes complete their tasks, she appears with instructions for Cadmus. He is to remove the teeth from the dragon's mouth and sow them into the ground where he is to found his city. But not all of the teeth is he to plant. Half the teeth he gives to Athena, who in turn gives them to King Aetes of Colchis, the father of Medea. Those teeth would go on to be sown by Jason in one of his Colchian tasks. But for now, the better hero, the much less ridiculous hero, Cadmus, has to sow the dragon teeth as though they're seeds. And they act as seeds, of course, because this is Greek mythology and Athena told him to. So Cadmus sows the seeds, the teeth, plants them, and from the ground springs a bunch of armed men. Startled, why wouldn't he be? Cadmus throws a rock into the midst of these inexplicable warriors, and they begin to attack each other. Eventually, while Cadmus just watched from the sidelines, the warriors killed each other off until there were only five left. These men would go on to help Cadmus found the city of Thebes and serve as spartoi, that is, sown men, meaning they sprung from the very earth of Thebes. It's sometimes the way ancient Greeks understood the idea of being indigenous to the land. They called them autochthons. But Ares won't just let Cadmus get away with killing his sacred dragon. He wants repayment. It's not always clear what exactly Ares gets in return for Cadmus killing his sacred creature, but it seems that Cadmus ends up serving Ares in some way for at least a year and maybe even eight years. Again, this story lacks details, something I find both fascinating and infuriating. So you get to, too. Either way, once Cadmus has completed his service to Ares, he's finally in a position to actually found this city that he is destined to found. It's important. It must be done. But, well, Zeus also seems to like Cadmus. Or maybe he feels bad about Europa? <laughs> JK, obviously Zeus never feels bad about anything. But whatever the reason, Zeus does gift Cadmus with something. A human being. <laughs> now, it's not entirely clear the timeline for this. Has Cadmus already founded the city of Thebes, or is that still to come? Doesn't really matter, but frankly, it's one of the few discrepancies in Greek mythology that actually drives me nuts. The rest I've come to deal with. But the lack of details, or weird and contradictory details when it comes to Cadmus and Harmonia, whew, drives me bonkers. Still, Zeus gives Cadmus a gift, and what do you know, the gift is a real live human being. Because, as always, this is Greek mythology. But she is not just any human being, or rather, technically, she is not really a human at all, though you wouldn't know it from the upcoming story. Zeus gifts Cadmus his niece, the daughter of Aphrodite and Ares, the goddess Harmonia. And at their wedding, all the muses sang. In the newly founded city of Thebes, in the newly built palace called the Cadmia, Cadmus and Harmonia get married 
and theirs is one of two weddings that is attended by all of the gods, muses included, the latter who famously sing for the couple. It's a big fucking deal having the gods come to your wedding, at least it is if you're a mortal. The only other time that this happens, the even more famous and fateful wedding of Hero Peleus and the Nereid Nymph Fetus. And, well, you might remember how that goes. I'll remind you later. Cadmus and Harmonia get married, and their wedding is attended by all of the gods, including, well, some gods that aren't a huge fan of the whole Aphrodite and Ares situation. Hephaestus attends the wedding, and he brings with him a gift, a necklace. Or others say that it's Europa who is given this necklace by Zeus and who, though indirectly because she certainly wasn't invited to the wedding, gifts Harmonia with the same necklace. Still, it seems more likely that the necklace is a gift from Hephaestus because, well, the necklace is cursed as all fuck. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. 
And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. later versions of the story of Cadmus and Harmonia? Before we dive any deeper into that cursed-as-all-fuck necklace, let's look at the alternate story, because it's just as interesting, if not more so, though it comes from much later in the ancient world. Later sources from the Hellenistic period and beyond place Harmonia on the island of Samothrace, under the care of a woman, this nymph, named Electra. This is not the Electra of the Oresteia of Agamemnon's murder and revenge plot fame, just another woman named Electra. And while Harmonia herself is supremely ancient in the sources, just as her marriage to Cadmus is, it seems that this connection to Samothrace comes later. At least in terms of what survives. She becomes known as this this goddess from Samothrace. Either she's explicitly the daughter of Electra and Zeus, or she is the adoptive daughter of Electra, placed there on the island to avoid continued drama between Aphrodite and Hephaestus, because, you know, she had another child with Ares. Either way, she becomes part of this little island, an island that you might have caught me mentioning before in conversation episodes because I've become completely obsessed with it. During the Hellenistic period, Samothrace becomes famous as the location for a mystery cult, a major mystery cult, sometimes referred to as second only to Eleusis itself. And it's not just Harmonia that becomes connected with this island. Electra has biological sons with Zeus, and they're supremely famous too, Dardanos being the most important. The name Dardanos, in the very ancient mythology, is linked to the origins of Troy. So just like this connected Harmonia to the island, Dardanos' connection also comes with a lot of clout for Samothrace. This way, this little island off in the northeast of Greece, a stone's throw from Thrace and modern Turkey, gets to be connected not only with the mythological founding of Troy, but with Thebes on the Greek mainland, too. And that's not the only myths that this island this and its mysteries get kind of like retconned into, but it's said that the Argonauts visit the island, too, and they're inducted into the mystery cult. So this Samothracian mystery cult was housed in the sanctuary on Samothrace, a sanctuary otherwise dedicated to what they called the Theoi Megaloi, the great gods. This sanctuary allowed worship of gods from all over the Mediterranean world, but specifically Mother Earth goddesses like 
Demeter and Kibeli and others from the region. But besides this worship, initiation into the cult itself was so widely sought after because it promised safety upon the seas. And well, that's that's basically all we know, because it was a mystery cult, after all. Anyway, I'm not trying to make this uh, entire episode about Samothrace, but frankly, I am kind of using it as a way to get inspired for my own fiction writing when I get over there. So you all just get to learn a bunch of random stuff about Cadmus and Harmonia and Samothrace, most of which just lives in my head, periodically screaming for me to express it somewhere. With or without this additional Harmonia backstory, she and Cadmus do get married. They travel to Thebes, or they're already there. They found Thebes together, or part of it is already founded by Cadmus. Again, with the nothing is clear or detailed in the story. What matters is that they have a wedding. They have a wedding in Thebes, maybe in this already built palace called the Cadmia, named for Cadmus. But they do have a wedding, and like I said, all of the gods attended, which is this truly special thing. It doesn't happen for just anyone. It very famously only happens twice. All the gods attend the wedding of Cadmus and Harmonia, and that of Peleus and Thetis, and neither couple comes out entirely unscathed. Of course, you probably remember the wedding of the hero Peleus and the Nereid Thetis, future parents to Achilles. It hosted the fated golden apple, thrown by the goddess of strife, Eris. This little thing that would eventually, though perhaps indirectly, launch the Trojan War. As far as I can tell chronologically, this comes after Cadmus and Harmonia's, so I think between the two, the gods learned their lesson. Coincidentally, too, Eris, the goddess of strife, who doesn't play a role in Cadmus and Harmonia's wedding, she who likes to fuck shit up just for the sake of it, is often referred to as Harmonia's opposite. This makes sense logically. She is the epitome of messy, of of strife and discord, whereas Harmonia is literally harmony. But there are no stories of the two of them ever meeting or interacting at all. Fuck, I find this part fascinating. Like, what does that mean? Other than the simple basic of, like, they represent opposite concepts? Lots of gods do that, and it's never pointed out as much as these two. But I digress, because I've spent over a decade thinking about these characters like the ridiculous human that I am. At the wedding of Cadmus and Harmonia, they are given many gifts. But there is one we're particularly concerned with. That necklace. That cursed-as-all-fuck necklace. But before we get to that cursed as all fuck necklace, because I really want to draw it out as much as possible, you might be asking yourselves about the story I told of Cadmus and Harmonia in those very early days of the podcast, of Zeus and his sinews, of the monstrous Typhon, of Cadmus literally saving the lives of all of the Olympian gods? At the time, I was gathering the story from the book called The Marriage of Cadmus and Harmony by Roberto Colasso, which is a a bit of a fictionalization of myths, or maybe like a really interesting adaptation. He does seem to get most, if not all of it, from ancient sources. At the time, I didn't know where else this story of sinews actually came from. 
I didn't know if Colasso made it up. I just wanted to tell it to you because it's very cool. The gist, if you need a refresher, is the idea that on Cadmus's journeying in search of Europa, he came upon the gods mere moments after they'd been attacked by the monstrous, almost primordial titan monster creature, Typhon. Typhon had literally pulled Zeus's sinews from his body, essentially turning him into like a skin bag, just laying there. It's visceral and gross, to say the least. And, well, Cadmus saved him. He saved Zeus, defeated Typhon, and really saved all the Olympians from a similar fate. And in turn, that's how he won Harmonia in marriage. Well, that bizarre and incredible story is found in an ancient source, just one ancient source. It is that oddball I mentioned, the weirdo of ancient sources, Nonus. Nonus was writing like, maybe as late as the 5th century CE, in late Imperial Rome, but during the Christian Roman Empire, except he lived in Egypt, and he was wild. He wrote this epic poem called the Dionysiaca, and when I say epic, I mean it. It's the longest surviving ancient epic. It's 48 books long, and, well, it's ridiculous. There's a reason that every single person I ever mention him to says something along the lines of, anyone who dares read that is brave. Of course, again, I read a bunch of it because I'm me, but specifically because he's the one who talks most about Harmonia on Samothrace, about Cadmus saving Zeus, about so many incredible bits of their story that don't exist elsewhere. It also covers the birth of Dionysus and so much of his wanderings, including his expedition to India... That's why it's called the Dionysiaca. I've only read about like a handful of the 48 books. There are, they are so fascinating if written so incredibly late in the ancient world because it all revolves around Dionysus. There's just so much there, including the story I told last year about Dionysus and one of his many boyfriends, the one named Ampelus. But how does Nonus and his Dionysiaca, an epic distinctly about Dionysus, fit in with Cadmus and Harmonia? Why does it include this wacky story of Cadmus saving the gods from Typhon? Well, surprise, surprise, it all comes back to that cursed-as-all-fuck necklace. So we'll get there. One day I'll cover more of Nonus for all of you too, because there is truly just so, so much in there. But for now, we're looking at Cadmus and Harmonia. And sadly, We're going to focus more on their ancient Greek representation, so Nonus will have to be left behind. In this version of Cadmus and Harmonia, there is no Typhon, no removal of Zeus's sinews, just where we are now, at their wedding, with all the gods in attendance, where the muses are singing, in this newly founded city of Thebes, where they will reign together, where they will raise their children, where they will begin the dynasty that will go on to include so many famous characters of myth, where they will found the whole of the Theban race, all descended from Cadmus and Harmonia and those five Spartoi, those men born of dragon teeth, where they will deal with that cursed-as-all-fuck necklace. But, well, that's for next week.
Oh, nerds. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, can you tell I'm excited to talk about the Cursed Dissolve Fuck Necklace and also just these characters because this episode is kind of wild and disparate because their story is kind of wild and disparate? Truly, I don't find anything in the whole of mythology as fascinating as Cadmus and Harmonia and this necklace. There's just so much there, and yet there's so little there. They are objectively so, so, so important, and yet in the world of mythology today, they're typically forgotten, or they're an afterthought, a footnote. Oh, I have so much to say next week. I decided to use this episode, and the one that comes next week, part two, as inspiration for my trip to Greece. So thank you for indulging me. Specifically, though, my trip to Samothrace, where I will... Maybe? I've said this before, but... <laughs> Maybe finish my book, or at least another draft, one I might actually want people to see. Turns out I can write 5,000 words per week, sometimes 15,000 words in a single week when it comes to the podcast, but ask me to finally finish and perfect this novel of characters I've been steadily thinking about for the last 14 years, and it's going to be a lot more tricky. <sighs> Regardless, I find these characters so incredibly fascinating, and I realized I'd been avoiding diving deeper into their stories on the podcast because of the novel, but maybe that was actually what I should have been doing all along. Plus, you all should know more about them. They're cool. One fucking wild thing I learned during this research, though, and it's kind of broke my brain and long-standing knowledge of mythology, but it turns out that Eros as the son of Aphrodite and Ares, specifically and Ares, only appears in a fragment of Greek lyric poetry from the 6th century BCE, and Nonus. And that fragment from the 6th century BCE, it doesn't even exist in an actual fragment. It's just a scoliast talking about this guy Simonides, who said that Eros was the son of Aphrodite and Ares. Like, what? I've always gone off of that. Always. <sighs> anyway, I don't want to get too rambly, as uh, though I already have. But I want to share that because, frankly, I have always, I just have always gone off the understanding that Eros, when he is the son of Aphrodite at least, is also the son of Ares. But it seems like she made him by herself. I don't know if I love it or hate it. I really have a thing for her and Ares. Man, the fragmentary nature of Greek mythology. Am I right? How much fun is it? And by that I mean how lucky are you all that I'm the one who has to piece through a zillion fragments and so, so, so many hundreds of years of writing to put together a coherent story. You just get to sit back and listen. I want to say I'm jealous, but honestly, I'm not. I fucking love this part. Also, was this coherent? Not sure. Do I love Cadmus and Harmonia so much that I don't care? Absolutely. So let's wrap up with another five-star review from one of you magnificent listeners. This one is from GJB477 in Canada. Bingeworthy. Recently discovered this after a long journey of trying to find a podcast that kept me interested. Liv's storytelling ability is informative yet casual enough to feel like a fun conversation. Thank you. That's very nice. Let's Talk About Miss Baby is written and produced by me, Liv Albert. Michaela Smith is the Hermes to my Olympians and handles so, so, so many podcast-related things, from running the YouTube to creating promotional images and videos to editing and research. Whew. Stephanie Foley works to transcribe the podcast for YouTube captions and accessibility. We have an intern right now. How fucking cool is that? As with every other episode I've mentioned, Grace Roby in, uh, she hasn't actually started by the time I'm recording this, but I'm certain she's going to be immensely helpful and I'm thrilled she's working with me. The podcast is hosted and monetized by Acast. Oh man, 
Thank you all so much for listening. Again, if you're curious, come watch me gallivant through Greece and share facts from loads and loads of new places that I'm visiting for the first time, including Nathplio and the Peloponnese, Mycenae, and more down there, plus islands like Paros, Naxos, Mykonos, Delos, Seraphos, and Samothrace. I'll be sharing loads on Instagram and doing lives and where I answer questions. I don't know. It's going to be a ball. So follow me. It's just at MythsBaby. This episode is wild. Thank you for listening. I am Liv and I fucking love this shit. Namely, Cadmus and Harmonia. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.